Welcome to All Things Cardio-Oncology. My name is Steve Caselli. I'm the Executive Director of ICOS. And in this podcast, you'll hear from a diverse representation from our community. We want you to be both informed and inspired by their stories and experiences, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. Well, we have a number of guests with us today, including my uh, traditional co-hosts, Dr. Arjun Ghosh in London and Dan Lenahan in St. Uh, Cape Girardeau, uh, just south of St. Louis. So welcome to them. And because we have a number of people presenting today, uh, I'm going to have them introduce themselves as they speak. But Dan, tell us a little bit about what we're in for today. Well, thanks, Steve. I think, you know, we're we're very excited to learn about the different educational developments that have been happening in certain places in the world. And, and these, you know, experts that are on the call today uh, are really leading the way. So we're, we're hopefully going to hear about what type of educational efforts they've been into. And uh, this includes not only in the UK, but in Spain and in Brazil. So we're we're very excited to understand how these innovating, innovative programs have have got started. So I think, uh, you know, I guess the question is, is who wants to go first? Uh, since uh, I just ended up saying something to Renato, maybe uh, Renato, you can tell us what's going on in Brazil. Sure, Dan. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, excited to be here with the team. And we're going to give a quick overview of why we created really the, this course uh, in cardio-oncology in Brazil. And, and then Carolina is going to give us a little bit on what are the, what are the details of the course. So as everybody knows, um, cardio-oncology is a growing field all over the world, including Brazil. And there was really no organized and academic course focused on science and what's the best in terms of scientific aspects of cardio-oncology going on. At the same time, Carolina and Ariane and I were working on other things together, and both of them um, had the largest experience in the field, working with cardio-oncology for over 10 years. So we do well positioned to, to lead this effort. So in addition to that, we happen to lead the Brazilian Clinical Research Institute, which is an academic research organization with a long time uh, track record on, in research and education uh, and the first ARO uh, in Brazil affiliated to Duke. So we brainstorming and, and take advantage of everybody's expertise. Uh, we felt that we had really the opportunity to create a unique course, a course that would be recognized by the Ministry of Education, which ended up being so. Uh, and we talk about creating the perfect course or what we believe could be the perfect course based on our expertise and our beliefs. Of course, in using the all infrastructure that we had in place with the BCRI and the expertise that Ariana, Ariane, Carolina and I had in different fields. So we created the course. Um, we selected initially 32 students who are highly qualified students, I must say to really create this unique program that goes really above and beyond only cardio-oncology. We took the advantage to try to innovate with um, some modules that we believe would be the best for the, for the whole course as a whole, 
including topics such as soft skills and, and also clinical research and a really strong detailed uh, course in cardio-oncology. But maybe Carolina can give uh, you all what we mean by a, a really comprehensive uh, and detailed course in cardio-oncology that we believe will make physicians well-prepared to face these patients in clinical practice. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's a really uh, an honor to talk about our program. Um, so um, I, I, I was lucky to be the director of the, the University of Sao Paulo Cardio-Oncology Fellowship Program for four years. And it is the main, the biggest university in, in Brazil. And uh, I was happy but sad because we could uh, teach a lot about clinical practice, but very little about uh, oncology, hematology, and the 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 how can I say the theoretical aspects. So uh, I was when I left University of São Paulo, uh, I was lucky again to meet Renato and Ariane and to build this 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 program. So um, we tried to 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 give a very uh, strong. Um, um, theoretical basis, but also um, aligned with clinical uh, expertise. So our program is divided into four main blocks. The first block is uh, basics of oncology and um, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, uh, and all this stuff related to oncological team. And this is uh, taught mainly by oncologists. Um, then uh, the second part of the course is a deep dive in uh, uh, different tumors and the cardiovascular aspects related to, to, to these tumors. And this is the biggest part of the course. It's very tough. And uh, uh, basically, we follow uh, always the same, um, the same um, scheme. First, a oncologist to talk about the, the oncological uh, aspects and definitions of the tumors. And then uh, the same oncologist talks about uh, treatment, uh, how we manage these patients. And then a cardiologist come to talk about the cardiovascular issues related to treatment. And we repeated this uh, scheme uh, in each and uh, all, all the tumors had the same uh, scheme of teaching. And this is uh, this was one of the strong, uh, what we did best in the, the program, because I believe that it's very straightforward to the student when you have this integrated view. And this was, um, was I, I believe, a, a, a very nice decision from our part. It worked really, really nice. And uh, by the way, we followed the, the the paper published by Dan in JackCO talking about uh, uh, how to to build a, a strong card oncology program so that um, endless list of all tumors that uh, we had to that, that used that to 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 teach that that was our Bible I would say so we were very driven by that paper. Uh, then we had the clinical research block. Uh, so Renato um, 
needless to say, his expertise in clinical research and uh, the BCRI team was very important for us to, to, to teach a little of clinical research so students could really learn how to read and how to understand the clinical uh, research and the papers and all the literature in cardiology. Uh, and then last but not uh, least but not less, my favorite part of the course is the soft skills uh, block, uh, where we talk to our students about uh, um, uh, communication, storytelling, innovation, healthcare, and we brought a lot of uh, non-medical speakers, and, and it was so amazing and so incredible to to talk about different uh, stuff and it was very well received and we were really happy to to have this experience so that's it and i'm absolutely sure that uh, we learned much more than the students and this is what is very fascinating and and it's our passion uh, to teach and it was a, a really a really joy and happier than ever to talk to you about all this that's that's really amazing, and I think, you know, certainly in in my own experiences, I would say, if you understand something well enough to teach it, that you you know it just so much better than uh, maybe the first time or first few times that you're exposed to it. Uh, Arjun and Mark, you know, wh what kind of things happened in the UK, or it, how did you see this challenge of educating our our future cardio-oncologists? Obviously, within cardiology, we have a, a core and advanced specialty program. Within the core program, we have um, you know, sort of five core, what we call capabilities. We've moved over from competency-based to a capability-based framework. And so one of the five capabilities is heart failure and cardio-oncology would sit sits within that. But it does have a specific... Um, a comment in there about exposure to cardio-oncology for everybody who's training as a cardiologist in the United Kingdom. Then all cardiologists would subspecialize in one of the main five themes for services they're called, or we might call them subspecialties. Uh, one of those five is heart failure. And again, cardio-oncology sits in there with quite a lot of flexibility, actually, that uh, we managed to work in. So whilst we might think that heart failure involves sort of classic heart failure clinics. There's a definite comment about cardio-oncology and actually being able in your final two years to spend a significant component of those final two years actually doing cardio-oncology as a subspecialty based on local patient demographics, local expertise, etc. I guess after that, we're then moving into bespoke programs and the way that training's going here would be post-CCT credentialing. So CCT is what you get to be uh, what we call a consultant or uh, you might call it an attending in the US and have different names in different countries. But um, you would probably want a period over and above and beyond what's offered in cardiology training to be a true uh, uh, expert in cardio-oncology. Those programs at the moment are all locally run. There are not that many in the UK, although they're expanding. The, the one we have is we would have one or two fellows attached to the cardio-oncology service. So that's two outpatient clinics a week, one of about 15 to 20 patients, the other of up to 30 outpatients. Obviously, we wouldn't see everything, but they'll get a good range of the various uh, common problems and diagnoses, et cetera, that we see on cardio-oncology. Then got our weekly multi-professional meeting where we discuss the more complicated cases out of those. Then we've got the ward work on top. So we have uh, at least twice weekly cardio-oncology ward rounds, plus all the referrals, et cetera. We've got a large oncology service on site 
So we cover them. So they tend to, now that they know we exist and that we're helpful and friendly, ask us quite frequently for opinions, which is exactly what we want. We want to be there to work as a team with our colleagues. Uh, and that's really evolved over the last, you know, I would say, five years or probably slightly longer. People who come and do periods with us, it, it really depends on their prior experience. But I think we would always say, if you really want to get something out of being part of our team and working with us, uh, you want a minimum of six months and people have by and large done that and a lot of people have stayed a bit longer uh, they've actually enjoyed things learned a lot and they've decided that they want to continue to learn with us for a little bit longer before they go off wherever it may be either within the united kingdom to think about setting up an own their own local service or to move farther afield so i guess our specialty specialty program if you want to call it that in cardio-oncology locally is perhaps a little bit ad hoc and maybe a little informal certainly nothing like the formality uh, and structure of the program that we've just heard about which sounds truly phenomenal Uh, and my hat off to my colleagues uh, in brazil but uh, i think we have a system that works for our the way our training works in the uk and certainly seems very popular i've probably said way too much but i'll see if arjun's got anything to add Yeah, thanks, uh, Mark. I think you've you've explained it very well. I'd probably just add that there's also a, a fairly strong research component to it as well. So we have a number of uh, trainees who come to us uh, wanting to do research. So there's clinical research for cardio-oncology trainees. We've also got basic science research for cardio-oncology trainees. And that is uh, something they do when they take some time out of their normal training program and then do the research and then come back into clinical training. And alongside that, the fellowships that Mark was talking about at Bart's Heart Centre and at UCLH, uh, they're international as well. So we've had uh, people from Mexico, from Australia, from Spain, uh, Portugal come and join us for you know anywhere from three months to over a year. And then, as Mark said, going back to set up services in their own home institutions or their own home countries, which I think is a fantastic way to kind of bring um, international collaboration, which is you know one of the cornerstones, of course, of ICOS as well. If you or your institution would like to have credentials that confirm your qualifications as a cardio-oncologist or a cardio-oncology center of excellence, we encourage you to consider applying for our certification exam in cardio-oncology or our certification for centers of excellence. These are the only certifications currently available in this field, and it's a special opportunity for you or your institution to distinguish yourself, recognizing your expertise in the field. More information about both these opportunities can be found at ic-os.org, or you can email directoricos at gmail.com for more information. Yeah, I think the, the, the one... You know, it's really interesting to hear what has developed in the, you know, in Brazil and in the UK. The, you know, when you contrast that with the United States, for example, one of our biggest efforts was to try to integrate cardio-oncology into the cardiology fellowship. So get earlier and earlier in fellowship as a major rotation or uh, have longitudinal clinics throughout their fellowship that are based in cardio-oncology. So that's certainly one way to get at it in terms of advanced training. Uh, but the, the key difference that, that at least that I heard from Brazil was that 
in Brazil, you know, wasn't necessarily a person coming to a major center and staying there for six months or a year or however long uh, where they would get a very focused training, but rather it was integrated into their daily lives. And that, I think, is a really huge barrier that we have to figure out if we want to advance cardio-oncology training for people that are not in fellowship, we're going to have to think about that. How can we integrate it into, into their sort of daily life, you know, take, take a bit of their daily life and put that into cardio-oncology training and perhaps over a longer period of time. Uh, so Teresa from uh, Madrid, uh, I know you've really developed a, uh, what sounds like a beautiful master's program. I know it has reached out to many places in South America, as I understand it. But uh, so how, how did things, how do things look on your end? Thank you, Dan. I'm really happy to, to be here. As, uh, as you know, I, I work in, in Madrid, in, in Spain. And uh, uh, our first goal when we created the, the Spanish cardio-oncology uh, chapter was to to focus on education, and for that purpose, we create an agreement with uh, all our national oncology societies to try to to promote first the field of cardio oncology, and for that purpose, we we organize different online courses through the website of local societies. But uh, four years ago, we started to work with the uh, University of Francisco de Vitoria. And uh, we uh, organized uh, during two years uh, a large course on, on cardio-oncology that is not really a, a master. And this course was attended by, by at least 100 students per, per year. And because we, we really detect a great interest uh, in, in the field, not just focus on how to manage or how to prevent cardiovascular toxicity, but, but also on how to really understand the work of oncologists and hematologists uh, with um, their patients. Uh, two years ago, we, we started with uh, this master degree. And as uh, Carolina uh, told us, we also um, include in this educational program uh, different um, skills that uh, started with the uh, basis in, in oncology and, and hematology, uh, some chapters that are focused on cancer therapies, on basic and translational research. And uh, of course, we, we also uh, move to the to the cardiology part of, of cardio-oncology. And uh, we have specific uh, models that focus on, on prevention and management of the different cardiovascular toxicity. But probably what is missing in our in our program, and I think that this is a really good idea that the the Brazilian team brings to to the cardio oncology scenario is to also include soft and communication skills in all these programs because we really need to 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 learn how to work in multidisciplinary team, and this is not easy to do because uh, we need to understand how to, to really integrate the, the knowledge of, of different specialities in, in, in our daily practice. And uh, I think that this is a, a, really, a really amazing initiative. In our experience, um, probably one of the 
of the strongest things that uh, we have uh, creating in our master is uh, a very dynamic forum where we interact uh, with uh, students uh, every day. And uh, we present them different clinical cases and uh, we discuss articles. We ask them to, to present their own clinical cases or their daily question or what they they want to 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 learn from from the experts that are part of the of the teachers uh, team and uh, we organize uh, uh, every three four weeks uh, an interactive webinar with all the students to, to try to to update uh, all the the questions and all the, the clinical cases that are presented in in the forum. So in that way, this is not just an online learning experience, but a really dynamic uh, forum to to learn cardio oncology. And uh, as um, Renato and, and Carolina told before, we learn a lot when we teach, uh, and uh, we we are able to to integrate the cardio-oncology experience, not just from people that work in Spain, but also uh, from people that work in uh, South America. And uh, this is amazing to, to really understand what are the, the challenges and the different opportunities that uh, we have uh, across the world to, to work in that field. Wow, that's really, really tremendous. And I think in order to make it a uh, rich experience. I think the the interactive part is what what really uh, solidifies people's training or understanding. So, Renato, you you know you explained some of the uh, details uh, about your program. Uh, what kind of challenges do you see, or what sort of opportunity has ar- arisen because of what you've already developed? Uh, what kind of where do you where do you see things going? Sure. So I'll focus more in the opportunity here uh, than alleged challenges to Ariana. Uh, to, <laughs> That's to a good that. plan. That's good plan. Yeah. Uh, the the opportunity that I see here when we did this course is definitely, as you, you all are very aware, um, if we look at the recent European Society of Cardiology guidelines. 95% or plus of the recommendations are level of that evidence C, which means that we desperately need high quality evidence to guide our uh, clinical practice in this area, in this therapeutic area. Uh, I know that even in general in cardiology, when we publish in JAMA, demonstrating that only 8.5% of overall cardiology recommendations are level of, are based or classify as level of evidence A, uh, in cardio-oncology, this number is way, way below that. And I think, in one hand, this is a challenge. On the other hand, is a blue ocean in terms of opportunities that we have to create the right community, the right collaboration, the right players, to design the right studies, and starting having high quality evidence to really guide what we do in clinical practice. And we try to do that. So a lot of these students, uh, actually every student had to have a research project at the end of the course to present to us. Um, And some of them 
uh, are actually gonna become true projects that we're gonna raise funding and we're gonna try to actually develop the clinical trial or, or a clinical registry. Uh, they are, um, the students are all over the country. So this automatic, automatically made, make the project national. Uh, they are in high volume centers. Uh, and we believe that this is an, a, a really nice opportunity to bring these um, ex-students now uh, with already a formal training in cardio-oncology to now develop this project with us or these projects with us. Uh, in addition to really uh, making the topic aware uh, to everyone that want to study cardio-oncology. Well, we have an idea, we try to match a sponsor, we have all the infrastructure of the ARO to make it happen in high standards. And we believe then, then with this, maybe in two, three, four years, we're gonna start, we're gonna start having more high quality evidence coming from Brazil. Uh, we are already doing this in other fields in cardiology. So hopefully this will happen in cardio-oncology. And through venues like this one, like ICOs and uh, individuals that we work with, like Teresa and others uh, all over the, the world, uh, make those projects not just national in Brazil, but international. And, and with that, start building a new culture that we can, as a team, we can, in a collaborative fashion, develop good projects, good research projects that can change the way we treat these patients based in more than just guessing, but based on high quality evidence. So to me, that's a major opportunity that we identify with the students and we are currently implementing uh, as we speak. But maybe Ariana can, Ariane can talk about a little bit about the challenges that we believe that's gonna be key for keeping the strength of the program going forward. Um, uh, hello, I'm Mariani from Brazil. I'm a cardiologist and cardiologist. Uh, and uh, really, I feel that a lot of uh, was already said about uh, the program and so on. But I feel that uh, the biggest challenge in that not only in cardiology, but in education in this uh, century, and probably in the very long future, is how to engage people to keep their attention and to, to have more people knowing about cardiology, interested in not only cardiologists, I feel that the general do, uh, doctor and uh, uh, even the oncologist. So I feel that now we need to keep on track and we need to keep this course we had already for this new uh, group, more 30 students that were engaged. So we want to have and to keep the high quality of uh, Result that we we got. We are uh, following the same track, trying to give them not only the theoretic the theory, but also the um, uh, the practical point of view. We have a group. We have a forum to discussion by WhatsApp. That's something that is very common in Brazil to have WhatsApp groups. The so uh, Carolina and I we are available twenty four seven to discuss the clinical cases, to share our knowledge and then even to help them with difficult cases based on our practice. So I feel that um, uh, we, we now have a strong group that we want to grow. So the challenge is how, uh, it's how to communicate, how to engage these people um, uh, and to keep them interested and asking questions. 
about cardio oncology. That's what, what we want. When you have this this group together integrated with a, a very good communication, I feel that our field uh, we do will continue to grow as all here have been doing for the last more than ten years. So, so we achieved a lot. But do we you guys ever sleep? Do you, do you guys ever sleep? Or, you know, or do you clue them in to say, you know, maybe after 9 p.m. or something, you know, don't be sending. There is no time. To ask no time. Oh, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, then this, <laughs> this WhatsApp group, which I'm involved as well, uh, is really busy. People keep asking questions and posting articles, uh, all kinds of questions that sometimes goes above and beyond cardiology. So it's, it's really a popular way to keep connected with the students. I know in the US we don't use that much, but uh, in Europe and in South America for sure it's highly popular. And it's a not, not only a nice way to keep everybody engaged, but to keep us connected with the students when, in all aspects of the course. As a matter of fact, we're trying to now finish the WhatsApp group because they already graduated and they will not allow <laughs> us, to, they will not allow they, us to, to close the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't give up yet, right. Yeah. So, Mark, what what kind of things do you see uh, going forward? I know that uh, as we talked, you know, you're uh, you're kind of overseeing all of cardiology training in the UK, as I understand it, and that's a pretty big task. So, where do you see this going? Yeah, no, th- thanks. And I, I wanted to pick up on a couple of points that uh, Renato's made because I think they're actually quite interesting and poignant. Uh, the one about the sort of relative lack of an evidence, uh, you know, base in cardio oncology, I don't see as a, a challenge in many ways. I see it as an opportunity. Uh, I'm probably a little older than I look. I know you can't see me, but I actually remember when the treatment for heart failure was digoxin. In fact, ACE inhibitors, literally the first study was just coming out that they actually had some benefit. So, so Mark, I will say that, you know, in medical school, it was very clearly stated multiple places don't give beta blockers to people with heart failure. So, I, you know, I, re- I remember that, those days. <laughs> so, I remember it. So, you know, uh, thankfully things have improved. Yeah. I, and similarly in cardiac MRI, which is my, my other clinical area of expertise, you know, there was no evidence base 20 years ago. There was no indication. So things can change pretty rapidly. And I actually say to people that actually coming into a field early like that is yeah, you might feel, oh, well, I'm not sure what I'm doing. There's not a lot of evidence to guide me, but that's actually a fantastic opportunity because you have the opportunity to shape the entire field going forward and you can have a fantastic career out of that, doing something that's well-established and developed and is all embedded in very, very highly evidence-based protocols. You don't have that same opportunity. The second thing that I'd say as well is going back to to, uh, your point, Dan, about trying to get people exposed early. We certainly know we've got a lot of evidence uh, in the United Kingdom in cardiology training that the earlier you expose somebody on their cardiology career to a particular area, subspecialty, etc., the more likely they are to find it interesting and say, oh, I fancy doing that more long term and spending a period of, uh, of focused training, if you like, or subspecialization. Uh, and that was really my, my drive to get cardio-oncology into the early part of the cardiology curriculum. So the core bit, the bit that everybody has to do the same, uh, supported with colleagues such as Chris, Chris Plummer. So there, there were quite a few proponents and advocates of cardio-oncology when we did our rewrite, which has just started this year. And I'm really hoping that that does deliver, as it has with every other area of cardiology and subspecialty, that when we've put it earlier into the curriculum, 
you have a three to five year lag to see the rewards of that but we will get people who then want to go and do higher degrees in and especially in, in specific areas of cardio oncology and also will want to do high level clinical training and then go on set up units etc cetera, etc cetera. so absolutely uh, it's completely the reason we we got it into the curriculum early is to try and demonstrate the the breadth of the subspecialty the kind of things you can do that is very interesting and, and hopefully entice our future generations of cardiologists to subspecialize super arjun what what's your take on all of this yeah i mean i think i i agree when if there's a challenge i think the, the best way to look at it is probably as an opportunity and as mark suggests it one of the things that happened um, a, few, a few years ago was that the overall uh, medical body in the UK, the General Medical Council, suggested changing some of the curricula for the different specialties, including cardiology. And they wanted to condense things. Um, but even within that, I think Mark and others found that to be an opportunity to actually get cardio-oncology formally into the curriculum, which then allowed you know, trainees to be exposed to it at an early stage. And what we see in, in practice is, um, you know, we, we've in, in our program had uh, cardio-oncology research fellows for a number of years, six, seven years. And initially, when they spoke to fellow trainees and said, we're doing research in cardio-oncology, other trainees would ask them, you know, what is that? What, what, what are you doing? What, does cardi- what is cardio-oncology? But now we actually have lots of trainees coming to us saying, you know, can you tell me more about cardio-oncology research? What are the different projects? This is something I'm interested in. And I think, you know, establishing it in the curriculum, getting, you know, uh, you know episodes like, you know, these podcasts, educational activities has really helped to make that mindset change amongst trainees. Super. And Teresa, I know you have lots of perspectives of what's happening, but, you know, I think probably the most astonishing thing about your program and my book is how much it expanded, like seemingly suddenly, you know, it just, you had this idea, you kind of built it at a certain level and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's like going to many other countries. So what's, what sort of things do you, what challenges do you see in, in your, in your immediate future? Yeah, I think that probably uh, the, the main challenges uh, came from the differences in, in, in different health system. So the, the access uh, is uh, to, to excellent medicine is not the same in all the countries and across all the countries. And uh, this is uh, also a, an area where we need to work about disparities in cancer treatment and disparities in the access to cardio-oncology clinic or cardio-oncology programs. But of course, this is, we we just need to to increase uh, the education of uh, the oncologists and hematologists and cardiologists to to really try to to minimize these disparities because if we are able to convince all the professionals on the the value of uh, this uh, cardio-oncology practice, I'm sure that uh, they are going to succeed to to create uh, their their own program. And uh, regarding research, which is critical for improvement in in this field, probably the the main challenge is to really connect internationally all the groups that are working in in research in cardiology because we really need to get high numbers of patients in short time 
to increase uh, the the evidence. And uh, uh, for that purpose, uh, the, the International Cardiology Society has uh, created a new initiative in the next uh, KICOS 2023 meeting, which is uh, to organize a symposium that is um, focused on basic and translational research. And uh, we are trying to create this platform as a meeting point for all the groups across the world that are working in research in cardio-oncology. So if we really are able to create uh, this networking through the International Cardio-Oncology Society, I'm sure that uh, research in cardio-oncology is going to improve and that we are going to be able to, to really uh, create a different research uh, program that uh, uh, that covers the the evidence that we now are missing in, in some areas. Super. Yeah, well, and then uh, certainly you have many innovative ideas, but uh, I feel I feel compelled to announce one that's in in process. But so you know, in honor of the World Cup, which is going on right now, of course, you know we're developing a Champions League for uh, cardio oncology, and so we'll want people to sign up as a team, and they will answer questions over the uh, spring before the GCOS meeting. Uh, ultimately, to 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 we know that most people that, that we work with are fairly competitive. So we know that there'll be a lot of interest in that. Uh, but also I think it's really to, to increase the, the trainee energy around the world. And uh, this is one way that we thought we might be able to do it. So it's Teresa's original idea. So all credit needs to go to her, but I think uh, we'll see if we can pull this off. I think we will, but uh, nonetheless, uh, look look to that and uh, uh, start thinking about who's going to be on your team. So we all can't get Neymar or Messi. Uh, they probably wouldn't help us much on these questions, but, uh, you know, so think about that and uh, we'll look forward to really, I mean, all of your programs that you're describing are truly uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm super excited to hear about developments as, as you guys have, you know, moved on in your programs. And, uh, you know, we are trying to develop uh, some sort of international based program that hopefully will have, you know, a significant announcement in the next few months. But thank you all so much, Steve. Do you want to summarize what, what's gone on here? I'll just say thank you to everybody. You're uh, the work you're doing is incredible. One testament to the quality of Renato mentioned the quality of the students you're getting engaged in your program. A number of them actually took our uh, certification exam after they finished your course, and they all just performed really at a very high level. They did very, very well. So that was a real testament to the quality of the training that they're getting. So thank you. And these are just another way that we're trying to integrate with uh, our colleagues around the world. And it's super exciting to see uh, what the future holds in this area. So thank you all for taking the time to share with us the, the great work you're doing. For more information about ICOS, you can go to ic-os.org, where you'll find more information about all of our programs, including our weekly webinars, our board certification exam, and other resources that we know you'll find helpful. 
Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to hear from you soon.